Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hello, Final Girl. Hello, Final Girl. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's good to be back. It is. It's always good to be. We're always coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're always, we're always, yeah. We appreciate uh, our audience staying tuned in as we sporadically broadcast, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I'm not trying to make excuses here, but, you know, looks at entire world and pandemic <laughs> and <laughs> democracy and <laughs> yes yeah yeah the so. continuing dumpster fire but yeah but this is a little at least for me a little place of um silence yes <laughs> nice cue what might our movie be this time uh, around Tamara? silence of the lambs <laughs> Clarice had the lamb stop screaming. <laughs> but I know, I know that um, he's supposed to be there, like creepy. He's supposed to be really creepy. But that voice just drove me nuts through the whole viewing this time. Really, like yeah. in what in what way? Like, I guess just because it felt so forced. Oh, interesting. Because it was so, like, I guess the words that come to mind since we're, like, if I think about it in this way, it's it's, it's very tight, it's very controlled, mm-hmm. you know, which is who he is. Right. Um, but, yeah. Well, and interesting that you kind of talk about irritation because, it, like, for me, that there's we're going to be looking at the film today through a very specific lens. Yes. Um, <laughs> And this started um, when I realized that Clarice irritates me now. Oh, yeah. She irritates me now. And I'm trying not to go too far in that direction, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, because then that's not any good either. Right. Um, But it was prompted by... So we we don't have a letter for this episode. Nope, nope. This is prompted by current events. (laughs) Uh, Multiple months of... Great resignation, discussion, yeah, job satisfaction, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Right. And um, maybe because, um, uh, you know, they attempted to do a TV series with Clarice as the lead character. Probably got... Was that, was that Hannibal? No, oh. no. This was like on last year and I think it's canceled already. Oh, okay. Because yeah, like, <laughs> everybody was like, like, listen, no, we yeah. can't. I don't, I don't Mm-mm. know. It'd be interesting. Like what, what I haven't read a lot about like, well, why, why did people think that it didn't work? But mm-hmm. it is like, you know, they're making the series with her as the title character. Oh my gosh. 30 years, almost 30 years after the film came out. I'm sorry, I, I did that. I've got something to say. Thing who who was supposed to play her? I've got Google open in right here. the yeah. TV series. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the actress's name. Um, is it a? Is it called Silence of the Lambs? No, it's called Clarice. Mm-hmm. Drama series. <coughs> sorry, I'm I couldn't make a, it back to it. I'm getting <laughs> over the flu, y'all. People so also ask, did Clarice get canceled? <laughs> 
Clarice says your show stopped airing. <laughs> yeah, the silence of the silence, the of, silence the... of the series, huh? <laughs> um, <sighs> Rebecca Breeds, never heard of her. Oh gosh, there's okay. Anyways, um, all of that is uh, not important. That's interesting, though that. It just was not going to be popular, wasn't going to be uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hannibal, when, when they did Hannibal, and that was on for three seasons, mm-hmm. I mean, they t- did a very interesting take with that. And, I mean, there are some huge fans of that show out there, myself included. Um, I had heard that people felt like, you know, they made it, it was sort of a too much of a combination of things like the new series like it was okay trying to be like part police procedural uh, and other things uh-huh. and it just never seemed to gel i i watched the first episode and i just after the first one i was like i don't i don't know like i'm not it didn't it didn't draw me in and i didn't watch right. any of the other ones and i had i mean i've been like a huge fan of this these characters right right it just just didn't work wasn't wasn't well done or at least not um uh i think that there's something you have to have the continuity and that it has to feel like you're in the same universe yeah and now we've had really three clarices because Mm -hmm. you know Jodie Foster didn't reprise her role, and then Julianne Moore did a good job. Maybe that has something to do with it. Just, but the continuity of just how much time since that character, and maybe you know, like I said, that's part of my own reconsideration. Um, We'll do for for anybody on the planet who may not have seen Silence of the Lambs. Just (laughs) do a little. Do we want to do a little plot summary? Quick plot summary, (laughs) or pause and go read. IMDb. No, no, no. Yeah, um, <laughs> do that sometimes. Pause and go read all three books. And yeah, three books, right? There's Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, and then Red Dragon. Red Dragon. Okay. And Red Dragon actually preceded Silence of the Lambs. That was the introduction of the Will Graham character that was on the TV show. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but so um, we have and I. Jonathan Demme just did such a fantastic job directing this movie. Yeah. Um, but we have, you know, um, a young FBI agent in training, Clarice Starling. Um, you know, like kind of the, the cultural fit of her, um, you know, as an FBI, you know, agent in training. There's a, there's a, um, there's a, there's a gender, mm-hmm. there's gender conflict there's kind of cultural conflict. I mean, she's like from West Virginia. Yeah, like the class is a thing. Class in is this, a thing in yeah. this movie. Class is definitely a thing, and um, you know, she's got um, she's she's had trauma in her background. The death of both of her parents. Her father was a sheriff, so you kind of get the sense that that's where that that sense of protection and justice and mm-hmm. doing the right thing and taking care of the vulnerable yeah. came from. Mm-hmm. And 
because <clears throat> she um, th- there's an active serial killer, uh, Buffalo Bill, and the head of the behavioral sciences unit, which I, now that I look back on, it seems very unrealistic that he would recruit that he would recruit someone from the student body, as Hannibal right. Lecter says, but he does to try to gain some intelligence about this new serial killer, sends Clary Starling um, in to interview, like, the infamous Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. um, who has been in, in prison for a number of years at this point. Yeah. You know, once renowned psychiatrist, very cultured, very erudite, and um, also a cannibal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, you know, there's just a lot of different stories that um, a lot of different plot threads, a lot of mm-hmm. different themes um, that occur as like Clarice is like getting deeper into her relationship with Hannibal, right? And getting a lot of games to too. Yeah, for a lot sure. Of, like the I think a lot of what um, happens with Clarice is that she gets a. Um, a taste of just being toyed with. You know, she's she, she is there to amuse Hannibal Lecter and he doesn't really have a stake in the game until she starts to build up that that uh relationship with him and give him little pieces of what he wants as far as understanding her background and understanding how her mind works. Um, and so I think that for him, the like, the he's already figured out Buffalo Bill. He knows who he is. He, yeah. he doesn't. But in order to, he wants to figure out Clarice in return. And in order to do that, uh, you know, that quid pro quo, that's that, you know, famous line, quid mm-hmm. pro quo, Clarice. Yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are to to your point. Yeah, there are so many. The expectations of her and all of the different power dynamics, and then just how I mean, there's you know there are a number of scenes in the film that illustrate this. I mean, there are far fewer women in the uh in the academy it's yeah. it's, it's very like male dominated it's one in five one in seven almost in the um, right. and they make a big deal about that too they show like sweeping images of people like cleaning their guns or at the range and all the women seem to get like these looks from the men. Yeah, very like you know being disregarded, like kind of it's like it's almost humorous mm-hmm. to them that the women are there. Yeah. Um, so that's taking place, you know, inside the training academy, and then um, you know on these various, I mean, for lack of a better word, field trips. Yeah. That Clarice, you know, is sent on. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there is that same dynamic going on. And I think I can't okay, I can't remember. I should have looked this up, but I think the story I mean the film came out I believe in ninety one, but I think the story might take place in the eighties. Yeah, in the there's it there's a scene where they are oh, where the senator's daughter is just about to get um, 
uh, kidnapped by Buffalo Bill, and she's driving in her car listening to that Tom Petty song. And um, you can see in her front window that the registration says 89. Oh, I never noticed ah, that. Uh-huh. Love it. I like that. <laughs> so, I like that little detail. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that between 89 and 91 is not a, wasn't, didn't a whole lot happen. Uh, but uh, the, it does set us in that time and place, which is um, interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, no. I keep having thoughts no, no, about no, like. No, go ahead, go ahead. Because, well, because yeah. I, I saw a stat this weekend sometime. Oh, I don't know. All the days run together. Um, I think it was on Twitter that was like, oh, hey, you know, um, that the heyday of serial killers was between like 19, in the U.S. anyways, 1970 and the year 2000. And part of that is somebody um, said it's lead paint, guys. And it's like, (laughs) maybe, maybe a lot of people were eating paint chips. Um, But also the fact that the police weren't talking to one another. They weren't sharing information. There was also, you know, no cell phones, no internet. No computer networks, no DNA. Yeah. You know, I'm now obviously... You know, before, as we approached 2000, you know, it was much more. But even like during the, like the OJ trial, Mm -hmm. it wasn't as, you know, it was like people were talking voodoo. Right. You got. And and not science, but. Right. Right. Um, And then there's like, anyways, so I, I was thinking about how. This is kind of advanced. The The FBI in this um, movie is kind of advanced because they were the only people who were actually talking to different uh, jurisdictions at the same time and kind of drawing those lines. Whereas, like, you know, the, po- the reason that Buffalo Bill could get away with this in West Virginia, Kentucky, whatever, is because... Like the guys in West Virginia weren't talking to the guys in Kentucky, whatever they, the FBI could say, look, we're getting reports of all of these things. And now it all looks the same way. Um, but everybody else would be like, no, this is our thing. We're going to figure it out here. Right. And then they don't have any information. Right. And the, the, the emerging science of profiling, you mm-hmm. know, that really started with the FBI um, you know, they would often bring that expertise into yeah. the situations. There's actually a really good do- uh, docu-series on Netflix, and it's about the Times Square killer, which never <gasps> I just even... watched that Oh yesterday. my gosh, that was so good. <laughs> I just watched that it was so yesterday. good. So it was like that, like, when, when New York was really dirty and mm-hmm. gross and gritty mm-hmm. and probably, I don't know, like a lot less gentrified and commercial <laughs> and oh, yeah. Disney. There was no Disney store... In Times Square, Square. there were just a bunch of, like, porn shops and... Peep shows. Yeah, peep shows and stuff like that. Lots of... I hadn't even heard of that serial killer, Um, but that was, like, early, in you know, New York, early 70s, and they talked about that very thing, the lack of the jurisdiction, Mm -hmm. or the lack of the sharing, Mm -hmm. Um, and it just happened to be because that killer, 
he would basically, he worked in New York City, Mm -hmm. and he would pick up women there and then take them into New Jersey take them into New Jersey and yeah. kill them basically. Right. Which makes me think so there's there's this part when like it's the climax of the movie, right? So when Clarice is in uh West Virginia or Kentucky or Ohio? I don't know. I think Ohio. Yeah. She's there looking at like the very first victim and going back and trying to retrace the steps and she figures out um that Buffalo Bill is building a woman's suit. And I was like, uh, is that John Wayne Gacy or Ed Gein? Ed Gein. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with, the, with the nipple belt. Yeah. Um, mm. And the, like, the boob vest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> don't try this at home. Yeah, please. People. No, please don't. Um, and then the, uh, she's on the phone with her supervisor not even her supervisor I think yet. with Jack Crawford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with the, the guy from the behavioral sciences. And he's like, we've got him. It's Jame Gum or Jamie Gum in... A.K.A. John Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like in Chicago. And they're flying out to Chicago. And she's stuck in Ohio um, still, like, picking up these little pieces. And, like, that had to have been, at the time just incredible that the uh fbi could figure out all this stuff and go to chicago yeah um i mean they're like in the helicopter you know and they're landing with the swat team disguised as the flower delivery you know (laughs) (laughs) van you know right 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 (laughs) and so like i think that um oh gosh What's so interesting about that part of the movie is, yeah, the the um, power dynamic because you see the power of the FBI, th- them flying to Chicago, and it's just little Clarice in her uh, like beat up blue Chevy car. Vega or something. I don't know even what it is, but yeah, they make it. Her car is a symbol, right? Right. In and several scenes, like her shoes. Yeah, yeah. The classism. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, one little woman trying to f- figure it all out, and she's connecting the dots, and then we get her fear and her, um, uh, like sheer terror. Okay, I. Remember being scared of the book. The movie doesn't scare me. Interesting. The only part of this movie that even creeps me out is when he's got the uh, night vision goggles on and she's stumbling around with her gun and he kind of swipes the air past her he makes the air move behind her and that to me is like that primal fear of the dark oh yes like somebody could be could be that close to you and you wouldn't see them yeah and that she can detect you know that she can detect you know the smallest sensations in the environment right right and um I don't know. This will probably be like this huge 180 that I'm about to take. But it d- does go back to this lens. And this is like, 
I want to talk about this lens, but I also understand it's a little problematic because, you know, when this movie took place, but, you know, this was 30 years ago, um, the open hostility that that women uh, commonly faced um, in the workplace um, was there fewer paths, you know, it, it was just, um, even that, I mean, 30 years ago, it was harder. It was more difficult for women to make their way. And then you have, so yeah, we have a character like Clarice, who's, who's very smart, very determined. And she, she knows the world that she's going into. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she knows what she's going to be facing. Right. But she, you know, this is what she wants to do. She has these goals and ambitions. And unfortunately, all of these other things to, to fight against. <laughs> yeah. So she's already got, like, she's already got this fighting spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's already, like, kind of, I think, from her, from her dad, you know, this sense of justice and, and, you know, the story of her, you know, trying to save the lamb. Right. Save the lambs. And carrying it off the, and she couldn't. Right. And like, and, and so there is this really unique mixture of what the external factors and, um, obstacles are, and then her own nature. Right. And this lens that, and so I just, you know, I've, I have always, um, like admired Clarice as a character. Mm hmm. And for whatever reason, I just started to think about the character differently through the lens of the great resignation. Right. Um, which, you know, uh, for those of you who may not heard, have heard of this, <laughs> right. millions of people are quitting their jobs every month, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it was, what, something like 2 million last April or, or September? I don't know. Whatever. And then it keeps, it's, it's, I mean, keeps month after more. month, mm-hmm. it's getting into the threes, into the fours. Mm-hmm. And it's like every single month. I don't know if it's ticking back down. I haven't looked like the last couple of months. Um, but, you know, just with the pandemic, there's just been this entire reassessment of what our work is, how we work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, um, it's an and and whether we're gonna basically put up with the same shit that we right you know that that we put up with before right. and are we going to behave in the same ways that kind of do contribute and you know trap us um in in situation in these right. work situations right um so i'll pause there like what what did you what what came there's much more to be said on this that we'll talk about but what kind of where do you start out with that uh the place that i start out with that is you know you have the system of the fbi that clarice is working in but she also has this mentorship with Crawford, is yeah, that his name? Yeah, Crawford. Um, where he has seen potential in her way back when, like, he taught a class at UVA and she was there. Um, and 
he's like, I, I think I gave you an A. And she said, A minus. Yeah. And he was kind of like, <laughs> ah, neither here nor there. And it's like, no, for a woman like Clarice, it That's is here or there. Yeah, That's exactly. a huge deal. It's a huge difference. Um, and so this is seen as sort of a, like there's a couple of ways that it is seen. Clarice is like, I don't know why he's singling me out, but it's fine because I get to do the things that I want to do, right? Crawford, it's hard to read him whether he's doing this out of like he sees something in Clarice that he wants, like that she's going to be good at this type of job and he wants to mentor her. Um, Hannibal Lecter seems to think that he wants to fuck her. Uh, and that's why he's doing it. And Clarice is like, no, it's not like that. Um, but it seems like everyone in this movie wants to fuck Clarice, right? Whether literally or figuratively. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah. And the only person, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that Hannibal's gay, right? Oh no, I don't I never don't think thought so? that. I have never thought that. I've always thought that he was heterosexual. And really? it's been a very long time since I've read the books. As a matter of fact, in the movie Hannibal, um, after uh after um you know, he's been on the lamb. <laughs> no pun intended for uh for 10 years and right. he's in Italy and he sends Clarice that letter reaching out to her and you know there's a lot of discussion around the quality of the paper and the ink and mm-hmm. the and the scent mm-hmm. um you know the perfume on the pages that's been specially you know specially made right. um and the Paul Krendler who's like this longtime nemesis of Clarice's uh, in the Justice Department, mm-hmm. you know, he he says something really derogatory, like I always figured him for uh, I don't know what term he uses, right, but right. disparaging. <laughs> and um, you know, she's like, "Well, why would you say that?" And I, 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 like I said, I can't remember from the books, but I always, I always thought it was very much heterosexual. Well, maybe, maybe this is my uh, my own bias showing that, <laughs> like, his fastidiousness and his um, attention to detail. And his love of art and fine things. Um, but it, you know, I don't know. I honestly, I, or maybe it's, um, maybe it's left ambiguous so that we just don't, like, this isn't the focus. Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, he definitely wants to get inside her head, which that's one of the very first warnings that she gets is, right. you know, you do not want Hannibal Lecter inside your head and you know she's able to go toe to toe with him mm-hmm. in a way that oh gosh you know chilton um frederick Ch- oh my gosh what a smarmy gross mm. character you know mm. and it makes you happy at the end of the movie when <laughs> hannibal is like i'm having dinner with an old or i'm having an old friend for dinner yes <laughs> and he's got and chilton has gone down to the bahama because he knows he's like number one on the list mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. he knows mm-hmm. 
And, you know, all these security people around them and they're talking, you, you pick up a little bit of the dialogue, you know, hey, we've got things set up and mm-hmm. we're going to get you to this safe, <laughs> like, forget it. You are a screw nope, daddy. Nope. Yeah. <coughs> um, yeah. He's not going to eat your lunch. He's going to eat you for lunch. <laughs> yeah. um, but, okay. So I see the the sort of like mentorship thing, but that both Hannibal and Crawford are kind of acting as mentors to her. Hannibal's like, you want to see the real deal? Here's the real deal. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be awful. Um, and you're you probably don't want to get mixed up in this, right? Um, And I think that that's part of it is both challenge and um, warning with her. Like, if you can't handle me making fun of your shoes, then you need to get out, basically. Yeah, and another another scene that um, comes to mind is after she um, finds... Miss Moffat, otherwise known as Benjamin Raspell's head in that jar, and yeah. she goes back to the asylum, you know, and Lecter asks her, how did, you know, how did you feel when you saw it? And right. she's like, you know, scared and then exhilarated. Right. And I think, you know, uh, that um, that is, those are competing and common um, 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 experiences for anybody who is attempting to push themselves beyond, you know, where they are, like to do something new and mm-hmm. to do something that they really want, but it also scares them. Yeah. You know, and those are, that's a very powerful combination of things. And it can be, I mean, I have things that I want to do that I haven't been able to push past that, you know, right. what, uh, what has been called the terror barrier, oh. um, you know? <laughs> and so she, she has so much going on. And like I said, you know, this lens that I, I feel, I still feel like I have to apologize for it, but I just, when I viewed it through the pandemic, like how, how could I like viewing this character through the, <clears throat> through the pandemic, the great resignation and just how we're all, because to me, the great resignation is, it just feels like the American worker going like a big fuck you. Mm-hmm. We are not doing this anymore. Right, right. And I think what it is about Clarice is that she does have some characteristics that, because of the environment that she's in Mm -hmm. and because of her upbringing and just her who who she is um she has a lot of uh there's a lot of conflict Mm -hmm. she she's in a lot of situations of conflict with people who are in are in power right um, and it's, you know, it's because she, she doesn't back down. Mm-hmm. She's, she's earnest. She's a straight shooter. She says exactly what she thinks. Mm-hmm. Usually, it seems to usually get her in trouble. <laughs> and I am certainly not uh, making an argument against those qualities at all. I will say as I have gotten older, because I've, um, you know, like I've identified with Clarice. Mm-hmm. I've identified with her for a long time and just kind of like that fighting spirit. 
But I also think about like how many conflicts I have been in the workplace that mm-hmm. I think now, my God, how unnecessary, what a complete drain of my physical, mental, mm-hmm. emotional well-being. And I felt like I was always fighting all the time. And I remember when I decided I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And it wasn't just about going self-employed, which I did last year. It was more like, you know, how do I want to be in the workplace? And Mm -hmm. do I want to continue to be, um, you know, like just fight, thinking that there are always these fights that I need to fight. Right. And I had to, I started to look at that through a different lens and how, how healthy that was and where I needed to make adjustments. And that one, that's when I started to think about, Mm -hmm. um, her character in this different way. You know what I find really anachronistic. I know it's very, no, 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 no. I I think that's, uh, (coughs) really, uh, astute because as I was, watching this movie and thinking about what we would be talking about today like it's it's no secret that government agencies and uh the law enforcement agencies are toxic workplaces no secret like there are people on power trips there are um especially um we saw with Clarice, there's like these, um, uh, gender biases and like, oh, we can't talk about, there's crimes of a certain sexual nature or that we, that shouldn't be talked about in public, whatever. And Clarice in front of a woman. Right. And Clarice is like, are you kidding me? Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Um, and so she kind of walks knowingly into this, toxic workplace and for some of those things she fights against it you know she's able to tell or Crawford is like wow that really got your goat didn't it or whatever and she's like yeah these people need to respect me and they're not going to do that if you can't talk about these things in front of me um if you if they feel like you're trying to protect me um but then she goes and uses some of those same tricks against Hannibal. And so to me, that was sort of a lesson of like, be careful because you're not going to come out of this clean. If you, if you trying to fix something from the inside is so difficult that you are more likely to get wrapped up in it than you are to just like leave and like get into a better situation if that makes any sense it makes perfect sense it's like can you change can you change the system from the inside and if you if you believe you can or if you just want to try and you can't give up that fight you are you are in for you're in for a very fraught mm-hmm. experience and it's going to bleed over into your right your personal life or or lack thereof um and i mean this is where she nearly 
uh, loses or they do lose Hannibal Lecter when um, she makes him the sweetheart deal. She gives him a fake deal. And then um, now I can't remember his name, the the psychiatrist. Oh, um, Chilton. Yeah. Chilton. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> where he's listening in. Right. And he's, uh, you know, goes and makes his own deal. Um, that, you know, by her trying to play that trick, she ends up making or ensuring Hannibal gets free. Yeah. And that's not what she wanted to do the whole time, even though, you know, part of her probably is like, okay, you know, whatever. Like this guy is, whether she wants to admit it or not, somebody that she cares about. Um, there's some level of respect. begrudging respect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah like, just some, you, you have to respect the man's intellect. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think for the longest time when I watched this movie, I looked for signs that she wasn't really part of the fake deal. Like it, like, like she, she said she was because he asked her, you know, Oh, Anthrax Island, that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. You know, was that yours? And she's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I wanted uh, to believe that she was saying that, but it wasn't really true. But I feel like this time when I watched it, it was like, no, she, no. She yeah, was she very much a part doing. of that. Yeah. And even the, the, the nature of her interactions with Lecter, I mean, when she makes that offer... That's the first time. She's got some swagger. Mm-hmm. <coughs> the you way know. she slams the drawer in. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, She's not afraid. you agree to this right. or you get nothing. Right. I mean, th- these are the terms. Um, and, you know, that's like, that would have been an incredibly important moment for her and the mm-hmm. power dynamic and for her to have even been a part of those discussions. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think that um, <coughs> kind of going back to this this other lens thing, it's like one of Clarice's for every for every positive quality, every every positive quality has its negative side. Mm-hmm. There is. Um, any anything too much in one direction, yes, yes. which we're humans, we live that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even like earnestness and righteousness, um, I think even that can be too much of a too much of a good thing, right? Um, and like it, it's funny, I saw this this video on YouTube, and it was like basically. There are these, what was the term? It was basically like sort of a conflict-prone personalities, you know? (laughs) And I thought like, oh, it made me think of like Clarice, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, and I've been, I've absolutely been that. (laughs) I've been that person. Um, And it's just, it's a really hard way to live. Yeah. It's a very hard way to live. And... I, you know, Clarice is always seems to be one step ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, 
of seeing through Lecter. I mean, especially with all of his anagrams, you know, Miss Moffat is the rest of me, mm-hmm. Miss the rest of me, and then the fact that Lewis Friend is iron sulfide, otherwise known as fool's gold, <laughs> you know. And he says to her, after she does this thing for the third time or whatever, Lecter says to her, oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. <laughs> and, you know, she she's she not does. Wrong. Yeah. He's not wrong. Yeah. He's not wrong. So, like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I mean... The <coughs> it's it's hard too because Lecter is all about the games. He's all it's all a game. It's all trying to um, have the fun and the power and all of the um, uh, so it's it's almost like he's the the foil to Crawford, who's like. Crawford? Crenshaw? Crawford. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jack Crawford. Yeah, who's like, you know, all business. We don't see much of his life, but he can only take a moment from work to come and like watch Clarice walk across the stage or whatever for her graduation. Um, And so I think that um, her, maybe towards the end of the story, she's starting to find a balance, but I don't even know that that's true. Like, we places like the FBI as in as is told in this story um don't give you boundaries or don't allow you to have boundaries you are this is your life right and we don't see her outside of this school they they are living there in Quantico they are um uh, spending all of their time either working on this case or training. Um, and so there's nothing, there's nothing outside of that. They've built their world out of this. And gosh, that's really um, useful for brainwashing you into believing <laughs> that the way that we do things is the way that they should be done. Yeah, it's very cult of personality. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lecter comes in and he's like, use your brain in different ways think yeah. around corners you and mm, I like that phrase in in one way that's going to make her a better FBI agent but I think that Lecter's trying to do it because he's like you're smarter than all of this you're yeah. smarter than what they want to make you out to be and yeah. you're not just you don't have to just be a tool for them and I think our plan is to also watch Hannibal mm-hmm. and, and talk mm-hmm. about this progression of her character because there are just some I won't I won't ruin it by doing it now. I've never just, seen Hannibal, so oh I'm, my god, I'm it's so wonderful! And it's kind of a even though there it, it's a beautiful film. I've always thought, and of course, a very different aesthetic than than Silence of the Lambs. I mean, just cinematographically everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not real. I I kind of think that's. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Might be at a stopping. What what else? What else did? Were there other things that you wanted to discuss? Well, yeah, because I I mean I think that this is really interesting because we see Clarice in the very beginning of her career. This is her origin story, yeah. um, and it's a origin story. <laughs> it is. Go re- go listen to our origin stories. Um, so uh, the 
what it is. So my train of thought with all of that, of the FBI showing her that like us being your life is okay. And that's how it's supposed to be. When you get somebody in there at like 22, 23 years old, who's, um, willing to take on this culture of, you know, my work is my life. That's when you start building up burnout. Yes. Which makes you not as good at your job. When that job means saving people's life, you're going to have uh, problems doing that. It's not going to be as easy. Um, And so, like, I started thinking of how this... How this really, um, I don't know. I guess what frustrated me is that Clarice has no boundaries here. She will, she tells Hannibal everything. Um, she's She wants to tell him her story. She, even though she kind of uses the quid pro quo a little bit, she still wants to tell him his story. And she wants, like, she you know, goes wherever Crawford tells her to go. And, you know, some of that is you're just a junior member of the team, right? right? You've got to do it. Um, But she doesn't speak up and whatever. So she's not drawing those boundaries that somebody later on in their career might um, be like, this is not okay, right? She does speak up a little bit in private. Um, But it kind of, I don't know. In my own life with holidays, COVID, work, all of that sort of stuff. I am huge. I am big on revenge procrastination. Have you heard Uh, of this thing? No, but tell me all about it. Okay, so revenge. Tell tell all of our listeners (laughs) all about it. Revenge procrastination is something that they just started talking about (laughs) recently um, or started really naming recently where you feel like you don't have any control over your life and so, or like the daily decisions that you make in your life that uh, the only way that you can take a little bit of that power back is by staying up later. I can, I'm going to stay up later and watch this show. I'm going to have another glass of whiskey. I'm going to, uh, for me, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to go smoke cigarettes. It's like, I, I gave all of this stuff up. Why am I doing this? Well, I deserve it. Yeah. I deserve it because I do all these other things. And it, what that does, or the effects of that, at least for me, is that it compounds the burnout. So yeah. I don't have any control over my daily life. And then I stay up later and I have one more glass of whiskey. And then the next day I'm not feeling great. And so then I get upset about all of the things that are out of my control. And so then I restart the cycle. I stay up later, have another glass of whiskey. And then, you know, and then everything starts to uh, build on one another. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're in the holidays and you have to be celebrating F celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's, that's, I hadn't heard that term, mm, but yeah. I mean, I've, my God, I've lived it. We, we all have, <laughs> do, right. you know, just kind of like that, fuck this, I'm going to do this. And it's like, 
you're really fucking yourself. Mm -hmm. But it feels like, you know, if the if there's less control there in in some kind of to some kind of meaningful, consistent de degree mm -hmm. than there is that accumulation. Yeah. And I just feel like with the pandemic there are a lot of things there there are things I don't ever remember seeing before. One of them is like um you know, I've seen multiple articles about the sort of like actually dis destructive, I don't know if that's a word that was used, but kind of like the the like the really negative impact of perfectionism in the workplace. Mm -hmm. I don't remember hearing anybody ever talk about that before. Right. You know, and the other thing too is like these really high-powered firms like the Goldman Sachs's of the world and the McKinsey's and these, you know, these younger analysts are starting to come out and say these are like in these are inhuman working conditions. Mm -hmm. 80 hour weeks and right and, yeah. and just you know always have to be on. And I know it's very tempting to say, "Oh, I feel so sorry for you. You're 24,000, you're 24 mm -hmm. and you make six figures already." Yeah. But the more I but I, I I don't I don't feel that way about it. Right. And I think that like they're learning, mm -hmm. you know, that it's like, well, this isn't actually what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, there's a parallel there with like Clarice and even there's like a, a, a brief documentary that CBS News did on like the shutting down of, of Broadway. Mm hmm and the the common thread of these these things is like Broadway, you, like, like uh, in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. <clears throat> During the pandemic, it was like sorry, tennis, Nashville. Yeah, we do Broadway? have a Broadway yeah. in yeah. Nashville. <laughs> it, um, it hasn't shut down. <laughs> oh, it is alive and well. Yeah, unmasked and, <laughs> and ready to party all over the place. Yeah. yeah, ready to party with a country accent. Um, <laughs> but just the. Um, that there are certain things, there are certain professions, um, there are certain places if you want to work there, you before you ever even arrive, you have worked for years mm -hmm. to even be able to like gain entry, to mm -hmm. even be able to be competitive for one of those roles. Right. And the point they in this Broadway documentary that they made, this woman said like we everything all of us do is incredibly specialized some of us have been in the theater since we were kids you yeah. know it's what we always wanted to do and getting to broadway is like for a lot it's like the culmination of mm -hmm. just like that is the prize and you know she said you would not tell a doctor just go out and get a serving job until <laughs> you can, you know, kind of get back on your mm -hmm, career path mm -hmm, again. Like, mm -hmm. she was like, why are we any different? Yeah. And so I just, you know, think of, like, and, you know, kind of think about it of, like, the arc of, of what is the arc of your professional life going to look like? I mean, it's, we, we have all been, you know, not all, but I mean, like, a lot of us have been on this very, you know, kind of, a similar kind of path where you just, you know, you're working so hard and you're 
20s to establish yourself and in your 30s you know you're getting yourself primed for promotions and then you know you're just having to like do more and more and then you know a lot of times there comes that point where you're like wait a minute I I don't I'm not really sure that you know like for me I was like I don't like want this anymore um and if you want to make more money yeah then you have to take on more responsibilities yeah if there are even the options for moving up right because some places you top out and like well okay i'm just gonna be here doing this for the next 20 years like is this really what i want you know and you know and like you know you know that you won't be but knowing what that like next thing yeah is and i mean well i was gonna bring up a point but it's in the movie hannibal so we'll have to save it oh okay one but i think just um well okay so you're you're talking about that how did you and you mentioned earlier that you left your position Mm -hmm. and started um working for yourself Mm -hmm. how did that decision come about i got number one i got away from i had gotten away for several years from doing what i really have done my entire career which is right in Mm -hmm. some capacity I hadn't done that for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just honestly had to, to burn out a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, was going through this process of like, it didn't matter as much to me what I was doing. I was trying to focus more on how I was doing it and mm-hmm. like kind of how I wanted to be in the workplace, right. wherever that would be and for whom. And... I did have a very challenging situation at work mm-hmm. that, you know, that was a powerful motivator. I mean, it right. was kind of like, I've been wanting to get the F yeah. away from this. And um, something that I'm just, it really, that, that I love to do and I'm better suited to. Um, and I've thought through the years too, I have, I mean, we, some amazingly, and as I especially think of this in the corporate world. You know, I've seen, you know, like incredibly intelligent, talented, like tremendously talented leaders above me just working their guts out. And I'm like, you're doing all this for, for this, for this, for, for a company, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. And I know, like, self-employment is not for everybody, and I'm not trying to get on the self-employment box, but there is actually, there is a line in Hannibal that I'll go ahead and and share, and it's like when Paul Krendler tells Clarice, it's like, you know, I, I, if, if I put a line through your name instead of under it, it's over. Like, your career is over. And... Every day in the corporate world, there is someone who, who, who has the power to do that. You right. know, I'm, I'm on a, I'm. And now it's only Twitter who has the ability to put a line through your name. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, we could talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> 
But just knowing that it's like ultimately I'm represented on a spreadsheet somewhere and it's not even me, it's my position. And if that position operationally, financially doesn't make sense anymore, then it doesn't matter what I gave you. Right. I'm gone, you know. Right. So I think it just became more about like, well, if I'm going to, I'm going to succeed or fail, you know, doing what I want to do. And it's still, you know, it's still challenging. I mean, it's not like all like, oh yeah. And I'm just like eating bonbons and drinking champagne every day. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But you know, it just, I mean that too, just my own like journey to self-employment got me thinking about Clarice and this, different way and wanting and no matter who you are what what you're doing whether you're working for a company a small business a family-owned business self-employed you know just wanting realizing you know i'm not getting any younger and i want to get i want to get more fun out of life right yeah before you know i forget how to freaking do it right (laughs) (laughs) right and and before your body's like no you're not no sorry um i think uh i just read a headline um recently that uh Fenland has is going to a four-day work week and capping out at six hours a day oh my god which and I was also (laughs) I watched the whole series of Emily in Paris in the last two weeks which it's obviously not horror it's like a fun campy little half hour very predictable uh but cute um uh well sitcom and you know she lives and works in paris and they make a it's a joke but it's reality they're like it's illegal to call me about work on the weekend yes (laughs) and she she's like what why what no (laughs) like and the that was another thing like emily work is her life and Mm. the parisians are like no we you live to work we work to live Mm -hmm. and like that's not the first time i've heard that i i've heard that you know some like 15 years ago yeah but it is true that americans we form our whole identity around what we do go to a party hey what do you do I know. And it's supposed to be an innocuous, like, hey, getting to know you question. I don't know. What do I do? Um, I write. I run. I play with my kids. But, like, you know, none of that is my job description. Right. And it would be really nice to, like, get to a place in my own head. Maybe that would make me feel like I have a little bit more control over my everyday life. Um, Who knows? Yeah. Now, I, I I like that. I mean, it could be interest, just good to start doing that, you know, in those situations. Like, either don't don't ask that question, yeah. find some other question to ask, or if someone asks it of you, answer it in a holistic way, not just right. like, oh, I'm the, I'm, you know, this is, I work for this company, this is my title, right. whatever. You give in your elevator pitch? Yeah, I guess, uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's something that my, my company does is here's, here is your elevator pitch. When somebody asks you, mm-hmm. what do you do? You can say the, these like three sentences, um, which 
I don't want to get myself in trouble. I don't remember the elevator pitch. Like, I know what the company does, and I know what I do, but I don't remember the elevator pitch. Rob, if you're listening, sorry. It's the owner of the company. Um, I don't think anybody... <laughs> Whatever. I'm in trouble. Um, see? See how much it, like, yeah. messes with our... <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, this is our... This is our entirely private space where we're talking about issues. It just happens that it's going to be published all over the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to come. Did you hear the Tamara No. <laughs> but I think that there's a lot of the way, well, I know that for me as a woman in the U.S., there's a lot of socialization around what you do to be right. Mm-hmm. And to be good, a, a good employee, a good mother, a good daughter, a good whatever. And part of that is, you know, you never, or you follow all the rules, right? And following all the rules, as we see with Clarice, doesn't necessarily get you everything. It yeah. can mean, you know, the killer gets away or a killer gets away. Catch one lose another yeah yeah while still battling just the the attitudes you know mm. and you know it's interesting there was um um this is a great documentary it's just it's a one hour it was on pbs like it was on frontline like years ago mm-hmm. it was actually after 9 11 and there was this man it's called the man who knew and there was this man, John O'Neill, who was in the FBI. And he, I mean, and he was like a man, like a, like a, a very, very strong personality. Like, you know, big Italian guy, like mm-hmm. no shrinking violet in the corner, you right. know. Um, and even he didn't fit in with the typical FBI agent, like they made it a point of talking about like, there was like this culture of like J. Edgar Hoover's G-Men and you know, the, 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 the buttoned up, mm-hmm. you know, the straight lace buttoned up and they talked about how O'Neill was just like flashier and he had sharp elbows and all that <laughs> stuff. <clears throat> and so even with, even he as a man within the FBI in, in the, late 90s early you know into 2000 had trouble in that environment and Mm -hmm. ended up leaving it and probably had the most knowledge about um osama bin laden Mm -hmm. and the you know the just he and and they talk about it in the documentary i think they even said it was the evening before the attack that he had talked to like a former colleague and is like we are we're due, like we're overdue. Something mm-hmm. is going to happen. And where did he end up getting a job? Head of security, World Trade World Trade Center, and of course died in the attacks. But he was like, they have tried to take this place down several times, and right. they want to it's bring go- it down. It's and happen, yeah. This is where I want to be. Whew. So you know, it isn't just it isn't just women who face those choices. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of astonishing. Just what we, yeah. It's just what our culture does. <coughs> our culture, uh, yeah, problematic. Yeah, um, cool. But you know, we are the culture, so we have to do things 
differently if we want it to be right different and we'll t- we, if we are we game for talking about this character arc more watching hannibal yeah, yeah i am a, yeah part two yeah sounds good um do you have any prescriptions oh my goodness Get more fun out of life. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. And I think mine kind of um, is at a right angle to that, which is oh, I like that. make boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because without the boundaries, like your own personal boundaries, yeah. you're not going to be able to have any fun out of your life. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. Um, like, I have a very... I'm, well, in on paper, my company has a flexible work policy, and yet I drive myself nuts thinking about the trade-off between staying home because a kid is sick versus being able to take a vacation later. And I know that if I take a day off to look after my kid, I'm and not tear myself up trying to like juggle what's going on with work with what's happening with my kids then I will be able to focus better when the kids are well and you know when I'm back at work um and so that to me is like one of those boundaries that I'm going to attempt to draw for myself and attempt to keep in mind like because nobody needs anything from me immediately there's yeah. no emergency I, I used to always say because I, I the last position that I was in where I worked for a company was was a marketing role and I used to I, I would say to people in marketing there is no such thing as a marketing emergency yes yes I've said there that is for years. no yes, I've said that such for years. Thing. I mean can we please have a moment of clarity here yeah <laughs> nobody's know? gonna die this is not this is not rocket surgery yeah <laughs> Uh, you know and it's like what you were saying it's like if we don't define these things for ourselves everybody else will will and then you know you look up and you realize I haven't really been in control in my life for like I don't know the past like 20 years (laughs) you know Mm um and it's 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 hard it's yeah. hard, but I think that it can get easier um, no matter what kind of role you're in, whether you're working for yourself or a company. I mean, this is like kind of, this, this is, this is, well, this is it. This is, this is, this, each one of us is, you know, a unique manifestation and that's of, of, of a human being that's only happening at this time. And yep. This is it. I mean, with, you know, religious, spiritual discussions aside, um, this is your, this is your, uh, this is your, tri- this is your turn to do this thing on this planet. <laughs> right. You know? Well, uh, mm, 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 that's why religion and capitalism just fucking love each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hanging out and, you know. Yeah. And then you throw politics. in the background and yeah. you're like. Oh, religion says it's fine because you're working for what comes on the other side. And capitalism is like, yes, you're working for what's on the other side. Montgomery Burns. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Um, And and then, you know, I actually wrote out earlier, um, 
you know, do you want to be a cog in the capitalist machine? And I think that's what's happening a lot, especially, you know, we look at these folks that were called essential workers at the beginning of the pandemic and they weren't even getting overtime. They were just like getting hoorays on Facebook. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. What the shit? Like, yeah. Give these people raises. You give them a living wage. With that, yeah. With the pat on the back, you can pay your rent. And I have spoken about. I actually did the calculations earlier. I've spoken about um, this job that I took when I first quit teaching, and I was just starting. I was trying to freelance. I'm trying to like start up a writing career. Um, and I worked for this content mill and I was editing for them. And I asked how, how can I make more money? And she's like, well, just edit more. And I realized after I like did the math that I was making less than minimum wage. I was making about $150 a week for about 25 hours of work, which is less than seven, $7, less than $7. Wow. And, uh, of course then I was like, well, screw this. I'm yeah. out, you know, yeah. uh, I can find something better. I'm definitely, <laughs> yeah, I was definitely making better money as a server. It wasn't making me, it wasn't like feeding my brain in the same way, but God, you know, I can at least pay rent that way. Yeah. And you think about the folks who are, you know, starting out at, uh, fast food restaurants or whatever, and they're making minimum wage. You cannot live in, even in our middling city, uh, on minimum wage. No, I I mean, and even more so, you know, the, the, the it's like the dark side of Nashville being in its city. It is becoming prohibitively expensive to to live here. Now, not not if you are coming from California or New York and you feel like you've hit a gold mine because <laughs> you can get a house for way cheaper than you could where you lived. Right. And meanwhile, the people who are here can't afford to buy houses. You know, <laughs> that could be a whole other. But the other <laughs> side of that is that, like, okay, let's say you come out. In from Seattle, right? Seattle, minimum wage is $15. And you are a server coming in from Seattle where you would make $15 an hour plus tips. And then you come to Tennessee where you make $215, $213. But isn't it different now? Because like... I don't know. I mean, I feel like with the pandemic, you know, they're saying like... 15, you know, 12 to $15 an hour to start, you know, that, that a lot know, of places have, but they say that, but they're, are they not doing it? Well, a lot of places have like, I think McDonald's, Walgreens, a couple of other places are like $12 an hour to start. Um, but as a, you know, as a restaurant server, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And private restaurants get to make their own rules. So. Yeah. I haven't looked any of this up, and I probably should. But no, yeah. but it has been that for a very long time mm-hmm. here, like mm-hmm. two dollars and something. Yeah. yeah, if you're a server, that's yeah. your base wage. I would get a paycheck every two weeks with that was like zero dollars. Good grief! Yeah, here's yeah. your paycheck. It's like eh, that's it's not no, a paycheck. It's no, not a paycheck. <laughs> this is just you know cash in hand at the end of the night. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Okay. Well, we'll, we will continue with Clarice's adventures uh, in our next episode. Yeah. Uh, Next 
full episode. We're still taking origin stories. Yep. And as yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm a um, friend of mine. He was in the local, uh, the local horror, leads the local horror meetup group. Yay! Um, I think in a, about a month from now, we can expect his story, which Excellent. will be very cool. Excellent. Um, if you want your uh, origin story read on Dear Final Girl, email us at dearfinalgirl at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Final Deer. And yeah, that's those, it. Are our, those are our two platforms because we just keep things streamlined around here. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, not lazy, just streamlined. Streamlined. It's all about level of effort in what you yeah seriously um until next time yeah stay stay safe yeah and spooky bye 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 hey final girls final boys and final non-binaries Tamara and i are honored to be your dear abbies of horror but that's all we are people struggling just like you we're not professionals If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat, and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline, and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there too. Take care.